Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. We like to profile interesting Orthodox Jews on this show um, and on our website, jewinthecity.com. Um, there's all different things to, uh, you know, happening in the Frim community, whether it's interesting hobbies, people involved in chesed, um, and some people have just very interesting careers um, and have written some cool books. And that is my guest today, uh, Dr. Uh, David J. Lieberman. He's a PhD, renowned psych psychotherapist and the author of 11 books, um, including a New York Times bestseller, Get Anyone to Do Anything and Never Be Lied to Again. He has trained personnel in the U.S. military, FBI, CIA, NSA, in his instructional videos, mandatory for psychological operations graduates. He teaches government negotiators, mental health professionals, Fortune 100 executives, and has appeared as a guest on more than 300 television and radio programs, including Today Show, Fox and Friends, The Armchair Expert, The View, and now Jew in the City Speaks. You can add that to your list, Dr. <laughs> yes, I put it right at the top. Excellent. Um, so welcome to the show. And um, yeah, so you have a new book that uh, recently came um, the new science of deciphering what people really think, what they really want, and who they really are. Um, so I guess, how did you go from, um, well, just a little bit about like your background, like, you know, where do you live? What part of the Orthodox world are you in? Um, and kind of how did you get um, into this field? Right. So we live in uh, Lakewood, Lakewood, New Jersey, and uh, we've been here about 20 years. And I started out fairly typical in terms of education and uh, psychology, but it was never so much my intention to do a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. I've always had a fascination with human nature and human behavior. And as I started learning more about psychology, I started writing. And my first book was about 25 years ago, and it looked at analyzing different behaviors. And then after a couple of books, I realized that, you know what, no matter how much people worked on themselves, uh, no matter how much we just try to improve our, our lives and ourselves and our relationships, if there were people who were taking advantage of, people uh, who were uh, manipulating us, people who were lying to us, we'd have a very hard time sort of moving forward in life. So that's when I sort of shifted gears. I developed some techniques uh, in the area of interview and interrogation that caught the eye of law enforcement. And then so began my career. Very cool. Um, and so um, I guess, can you run us through kind of the, the bird's eye view of, uh, of what this book looks like? So I see, you know, kind of one of the points to check the messaging behind passive language, personal or impersonal descriptions, level of detail. Can you kind of dig into that, um, that sort of first point? Sure. You know what? It's interesting is that I've developed techniques in reading people that, you know, that go back about 20 some odd years. But even though human nature hasn't changed in thousands of years, communication has, right? If you look at Twitter, where we've now got 280 characters, uh, and even with the advent of COVID, where traditional techniques in reading people are just rendered completely inert. Even techniques that we used to rely on to some degree, such as body language, which really we can get into, but really isn't so effective, uh, also is very hard to do now if you're talking to somebody over Zoom or their face is covered. So 
you know, what this book does is it allows for us to use something called psycholinguistics, which looks at how people use language to better understand the, what they really mean, what they really feel, and who they really are in spite of what they may be saying. Fascinating. Um, and is there like a Jewish tie-in uh, to, to your book? Yeah, I'd like to think so. You know, when I had the book vetted by uh, a Rav to make sure, which I do for all the books I've written, as you know, books for the Jewish community as well, How Free Will Works, Real Power, See Peace and Pursue It, uh, published through Feldheim. And then I also write books for the mainstream audience. Uh, everything is, is vetted to make sure it's a luckily sound. And he gave it back to me and he said, uh, you know, Baruch Hashem, there were <laughs> no real requests for changes, but he said, this is like a Musa Safer. And that really was my intention, is it not just to be a book about how to understand people, how to read people, certainly how to avoid being taken advantage of by unscrupulous people, but also how to better understand human nature and how ultimately the quality of our choices uh, is interwoven with the quality of our lives. and when we are more responsible, when we make better choices, you see that we just have greater self-esteem, we have greater relationship. And when a person gives into their impulses, gives into immediate satisfaction, in spite of the temporary feeling, uh, ultimately it injures our emotional health and our relationships. Do you help people detect if they're being lied to? Do you tell them what to do if they are being lied to? That is an excellent question. Yes. Uh, and generally, the rule of thumb is to say nothing. And the reason is this, mm. is because if you're being lied to and you immediately confront the person, first off, if you're wrong, uh, you've injured the relationship. But two is it interferes with your ability to gather more information. So generally, the smartest thing to do is if you're, you know, people always, they, they love to call people out on lies, whether it's personal, professional, and it's just fundamentally a mistake. You know, one of the reasons why this book has gotten so much attention is because it doesn't rely just on one or two signs. You look at five, six, seven, eight different markers. And even if it's clear that the person is lying, the smartest thing typically is to gather more information, to weigh things out, to look at the whole picture. And from a, a, a shkafically, you want to make sure, and logically, that you know you don't, depending on the relationship, you don't embarrass somebody. Uh, you don't always need to call them out on the lie. You know, down the chos Let's make sure that maybe they uh, are unaware of the truth itself. And also, what's important to remember is that sometimes people aren't lying to us as much as they're lying to themselves. And you'll also be able to discern if someone's being honest with themselves. So calling them out on that lie, you know, certainly is not without its challenges. Um, could, I'm just thinking here, as you're describing the different signs of liars, could an unscrupulous person read your book, learn how to trick a person detecting their lies and be better at lying? An excellent question. And no. And the reason is because even though you know how it works, it can still be used on you. And that's uh, that's because, you know, much the same way if somebody, you know, splashes water onto your face uh, or spritzes you with water, you're going to blink. 
Now, you can know the water's coming. You can know that you shouldn't blink, but you can't help yourself. Human nature is human nature. So, yeah, you can be on guard for some things, but by and large, you're not going to be able to catch everything, which, by the way, is exactly why body language is so grossly ineffective, is because most of the body language signs are already practiced. They're already rehearsed. And you know now if somebody's arms are crossed or they're scratching their nose, either they're cold or they have an itch or you know, they, they know to avoid doing those things to give themselves away. So just to clarify, um, for these different signs that you're talking about in the book, did you develop these through research? Do other people have, you know, such a, an approach? Like kind of how did you gather the uh, signs that you put together in this book for the, the reader to look out for? Right. So there are hundreds of footnotes. So I certainly built out the techniques uh, based on the foundation of a lot of people's hard work and research. Uh, having said that, you know, a lot of the foundation, not a lot, but some of it came from my own work, because I mentioned before, about 20 some odd years ago, I developed a series of techniques uh, and written about it and taught it in different areas in law enforcement. Um, but what happened was, particularly with the advent of COVID, is a lot of the standard bearers, a lot of the techniques and uh, you know tools and strategies we used were just no longer effective. So we really had to go back to the drawing board to find something that was more sophisticated. Uh, and again, with the uh, uh, advent of this field of psycholinguistics, which is sort of a combination of linguistics and psychology, uh, and it's part of the field of cognitive science. It looks at how our thoughts and feelings and attitudes are reflected in styles of speaking. And the words we use in everyday conversation, they reveal a great deal about who we are, whether we're being honest, if we're prone to depression, how secure we are in a relationship, and so on. So the sophistication of the techniques uh, is something quite exciting and, and fairly revolutionary within this field. Very cool. Um have you t tried any has anyone sort of tested these out in real life like versus a polygraph test versus like seeing who's actually telling the truth or lying like two truths and a lie like have yeah. you, okay yeah so everything's been field tested but what's interesting is that i had in my old uh, i think press release i'd gone head to head uh with a lie detector test many times uh often on national television and these techniques beat it every sometimes we tied but it never lost to a lie detector test hmm. Very cool. Um, do you have a statistic on how frequently people lie or like kind of what's the, the rate of uh, lying? Yeah, yeah, I've seen so many statistics. People tell an average of anywhere from 60 to 150 lies a day. Uh, that's that's the range. I know. And it includes small lies. It also in uh, includes lies of omission in, as well as lies of commission, meaning things you leave out that you should say or that are true, as well as things that uh, you say that are not true. All right. So now I don't know if this is touched upon your book, but since you're, you know, a, from a psychotherapist, let's talk about the Torah approach to lying. Sometimes um, we are supposed to tell Akala that she's beautiful. So, you know, we're both told uh, to distance ourselves from uh, dishonesty and also um, sometimes we're supposed to lie. So kind of, um, I guess how how does your work or does your work kind of interplay with the the nuanced um, perspective that Torah has on truth versus lies? Right, right, right. So I had written a book called Seek Peace and Pursue It, and that very question is central to the book in terms of if you want to improve relationships, you want to bring shalom into into your life. 
an end conflict feuds and estrangements how does that you know reconcile with deception and certainly as Chazal tell us is that a person should be truthful they should stay away from falsehood at the same time uh, we can bend the truth to accommodate the larger truth and that is shalom because that is something that always takes precedent the halachas are intricate, as you might imagine, um, but it's foolish to say that we should always be honest, as you said, you know, just, uh, you know, honesty is the best policy. True, but really shalom is the better policy, and lies that we tell in order to improve the quality of relationships, uh, generally speaking, fall in the category of necessary. Some people just seem more gullible than other people. Um, I don't want to say like older people seem to like with all there's just so much like nonsense going around on the Internet and like yeah. just like fake memes and stuff. Um, is there does age contribute to it? Um, are there just certain like, I don't know, like cultural cues that maybe older people might not know or um, are just yeah. certain people more um, like susceptible to gullibility? Is that anything that you've kind of looked into or? Right. So two uh, points to bring out there. One is that gullibility or, you know, being naive has nothing to do with intelligence. It's important mm -hmm. to, you know, distinguish that. And two is you're 100% right. The research shows that older people are a little bit more gullible uh, than the younger generation, in part for two reasons. One is that uh, we're just so much more duplicitous and deceptive as a culture today. Uh, and two is a lot of the deception that takes place, you know, with the phishing uh, scams, you know, PH phishing on the internet and all of these technological things just simply didn't exist. So the kids coming up today are already well versed in the scams and the schemes that happen online, but older people, it's a whole new world to them. So they're much more likely to fall prey. And unfortunately they are statistically uh, a greater uh, victim as a whole than are the younger generation. So how do you balance um, paranoia, cynicism, gullibility, like kind of how do you, um, you know, um, kind of balance those different pulls because a person could certainly uh, be, you know, brought to one side or more the other side? Um, is that something right. that you consider? So sure. And at the end of the day is the truism people will believe what they want to believe uh, holds true here. And that is that if we go into any relationship whether it's personal or professional with our eyes wide open and we're willing to hear what we don't necessarily want to hear and look out for what we don't necessarily want to see you're going to see the signs i can't tell you how many conversations i have with people this comes up a lot in shaduchim uh you know in terms of am i gonna i don't want to marry somebody who is uh you know not emotionally healthy or how could i have married somebody who wasn't emotionally healthy and the truth is you know, same thing also in the news where you see people just snapped. They don't just snap. They never snap. There are always signs to pay attention to, but the key is you have to keep your eyes open. And when we go in with preconceived notions that we call cognitive biases, and we're only going to see what we want to see, and that's people get taken advantage of uh, or lied to or manipulated. But if we go into it, with eyes wide open, seeing what is rather than a projection of what we want to see, we're much more likely to get an accurate picture of what's going on. Who do you see as the target reader of your book? So it's interesting, based on the research that the publisher did, it's uh, my publisher is absolutely extraordinary. I should say it's Rodell Press, it's an imprint of Penguin Random House. I've worked with a number of publishers over the past couple of decades, and they are par excellence, really extraordinary. So we found that it's 
ultimately the layperson. It's people, everyday people who just want to avoid being taken advantage of, avoid being manipulated, lied to, cheated on. At the same time, they want to improve the quality of relationships and better understand what other people are thinking and feeling. Again, this is not necessarily about avoiding uh, people taking advantage of us per se, or even to know what other people are thinking, but it's also to enhance the quality of our relationship, to optimize communication, uh, as well as certainly to protect ourselves. There's a large contingent of folks who are in law enforcement. Therapists find the use of these techniques to be very helpful and something that I also teach the therapist because if you've got a patient who's not, who's lying to you, obviously you're going to not be able to give the best advice, but oftentimes they're lying to themselves. So mm -hmm. how are you, you know, so how are you able to sort of get to see exactly what the truth is, even when they're not willing to confront it themselves consciously? Do you think reading a book like this would help someone who's lying to themselves be more honest with themselves? That's an amazing question. So I'd like to think the answer is yes. And certainly in you know giving the book out to people in the manuscript form, there are a lot of aha moments. And you'll see that the second part of the book, I'd call it sort of a self-help book in that respect, where it sort of, sort of shifts gears and goes more deeply into understanding human nature. And as you understand human nature, you learn more about other people, but of course, at the same time, you learn more about yourself. Beautiful. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the trainings that you do. Uh, you know, a lot of, I mean, you know, part of why you're the main reason why we're having you on the show is because you are an Orthodox Jew, uh, writing a cool book, speaking to, you know, these different groups. Do you have any stories or anecdotes of these different, you know, uh, NSA, FBI, these groups that you've trained in your capacity as an Orthodox Jew, where, you know, uh, you think you've dispelled any myths or misconceptions about our community? Right. So there we could talk for hours. I'll share with you actually just something that came up recently, and then I'll, I can talk about how it all started with law enforcement. But, uh, you know, in doing publicity, it's, you know, for a, uh, you know, a regular mainstream publisher, obviously there are things that come up. And I just did a, a big uh, podcast out in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago during the three weeks. And it was a question in terms of shaving. And I wanted, you know, to find out whether I should shave. So I called my Rav. And it was, it was the issue revolved around whether or not I would be on camera where the podcast wasn't uh, just audio and so on. End of the day is I decided I wasn't going to shave and I'm thrilled that I chose not to. It was would have been completely unnecessary. Uh, also, there was a talk show I, I won't mention, but they tape on Fridays and I had to tell my publicist that uh, I wouldn't be able to tape it because they taped at 615 and i wouldn't be able to get uh to where i needed to be uh you know to a home uh in time and they were completely understood uh, but when i go into law enforcement uh i've come across really nothing other than complete respect as long as you know obviously you know certainly you know you're mentioned and respectful i find some people are curious and some people simply just don't know and when it comes to basic things like shaking hands or shabbos things like that they are can be tripping over themselves to make accommodations generally speaking i, I found them to be uh, very very flexible and understanding I don't know if, um, you know, sort of how much you know about any secular cultural thing. There have been some TV shows before um, of like people that can read signs. There's a show called Psych, another show called Monk, where it's like people that seem kind of to have, I mean, maybe like a special talent, but I think using techniques kind of like you describe um, 
to solve mysteries, that sort of thing. Is, is the stuff that you do, is that similar? I don't know sure if you're familiar with these shows at all, but is that this is, are the techniques that you're teaching used in investigations? Is it like clues along the way when, you know, there's a, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I've I don't know the shows, but I do know that I get a lot of references on the you know on social media to people saying, "Oh, this book is like so and so," and they'll reference different shows or or episodes or things that the people used. Uh, so I I don't have firsthand knowledge, but yes, it's my understanding that a lot of this because also remember is they also these shows all have uh, law enforcement. Uh, either profilers or trainers or extra uh, or former trainers on their staff in order to make it as authentic as possible. And certainly I know the writers consult with them. So everyone's sort of drawing from the same well. What do you say to the person that says, um, I don't want to know. I don't want to know who's lying to me. It would be too devastating to find out the truth. So I'll just live in, you know, my ignorance is bliss. It, what's, what's the response to that? Read another book. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, <laughs> You know, look, me, I guess that's why I went into this. I I always think more information's better than less. Of course, there are some times you'd rather not know if there's nothing you can do and there's no harm that's going to come. And I, I hear that mindset or mentality, the wisdom of it sometimes, but by and large, you know, sticking your head in the sand and hoping reality just goes away, I don't think is the most healthy or adult like way to deal with issues. No, I agree. I'm just wondering if uh, if you ever get such a such a complaint. Have you heard any feedback? Um, I don't know from this book or any books that are similar for people that had a positive life change from discovering some liars in uh, in their lives. Yes. Yeah, so I, I did uh, show uh, probably I don't know three four years ago Fox and Friends, and on air the host said that she used one of these techniques. Uh, in, in a different book I had written also, it was on lie detection, to find out that someone in her life was uh, lying to her in a very significant way. Hmm. Uh, and that was very powerful and you know gratifying, but also you know sad because certainly when you find out the truth like that, it's, it's startling, but she was grateful as most people are, you know, to be able to know that you know somebody may not have your best interest at heart uh, and to be able to protect yourself. And we talked about sort of the, I guess, the gullibility thing, and maybe this is part of the same conversation. There's sort of like the the phishing or the, um, you know, I don't know, fake memes being shared or fake news being shared um, online. But how about certain like people being more open to being hurt by manipulators? Are certain people um, more susceptible to that? And is there a certain um, background that makes you maybe more susceptible to uh, being taken advantage of by manipulators in your life. Right. So certainly the ones that are going, it's going to sting more with other people that are more sensitive in much the same way. There are some people who are more impervious to physical pain. There are some people who are more impervious to emotional pain. It doesn't mean that they're callous or narcissist or sociopathic. Uh, and we see this all the time. Uh, you know, we see people who roll with it just because of their temperament and their nature and other people where it stings a little bit more. What's interesting, by the way, is that physical pain and emotional pain often are in parallel, which is why the, those people who are particularly emotionally sensitive uh, are also more sensitive to physical pain. There's a lot of reasons for that, but that's an interesting, um, 
interesting thing to notice in our own lives. Uh, so yeah, so it's going to sting more for some people rather than others. Uh, and in terms of who is more gullible, who is more naive, again, it has nothing to do with in intelligence. There are natures that are more trusting than others. And there are natures that are a little bit more wary. Uh, and certainly life experience is going to shape that as well. If you've got someone who's been lied to, unfortunately, you know, lied to in a significant way, unfortunately, they're not only going to have their antenna up, but sometimes they're not going to believe even truths. And would it also be, because, you know, we're dealing with in our organization, um, we have this Mako branch of, uh, you know, ex-religious, uh, and it's really a, a lot of people have been through different types of trauma, insecure attachment. What I'm finding for this population a lot is that they don't really trust the red flags. They actually, a lot of them uh, will pick up on red flags and they don't trust that voice to uh. do something actionable about the red flag. Yeah, you're right. And that's what trauma comes down to is unfortunately, when a person suffers a trauma, they lose the ability to trust others as well as themselves, mm -hmm. and to be able to trust what they believe is true. And when a person no longer trusts themselves, trust their feelings, trust what they think, then they rely on other people to tell them truth from falsehood. And if you've got people around you who are not so honest, you can see the obvious pitfalls there. So yeah, so fundamentally, the ability to be able to trust ourselves again, and to uh, not have to rely on other people for what we think, for what we feel, for what we believe, uh, is going to be something that's going to help to give that person a, a stronger sense of autonomy. Final question, I've got about three minutes left to go now on the side of the super liar, the super manipulator. There are certain personality types that are just pathological liars. Um, you know, I don't know if they're narcissists or personality disorders. Can you kind of walk us through um, kind of how that gets started? Um, are, are, are these the people the easiest to detect in their lives or in their lives or because they're so good at manipulating, they may be the hardest to detect in their lives? Yeah, they're going to be the most difficult, which is why I've got three or four chapters just on these people dealing with personality disorders, whether it's narcissist or antisocial personality disorder, which includes sociopathy and psychopathy, which is sociopaths and psychopaths. They are so practiced at their lies that they will convince anyone if you're just taking what they say at face value, which is why we have to use much more sophisticated techniques. And thankfully, there are a number of markers you can look at to see if even the most uh, maniacal, manipulative liar is lying to you, but you can never trust what they say based on what it is that they're saying. Again, you've got to look at a bunch of different markers. And the scariest thing about uh, the person that you know lies pathologically or is so charismatic they could really be hiding um, in sort of the most positive or sort of holy or, you know, um, I think the thing that makes them the most dangerous is that they're often the most likable and the most popular. Um, and that sort of gives them the ability to, to shroud the lies. For sure. Exactly right. They are generally, if you want to talk about somebody who suffers with sociopathy, a sociopath, or even a narcissist, they are often charismatic, highly intelligent. They've got great interpersonal skills, even though a sociopath, for example, doesn't have empathy. They're not able to empathize. They can feign, they can fake empathy better than just about anyone. Uh, mm -hmm. And they'll walk and talk and sound like somebody who really cares. But if you scratch the surface and you know what you're looking for, it will become glaringly obvious that they are somebody who is being deceptive. And once you know what to watch out for, you'll never be taken advantage of again. 
This really sounds like an important book because, I mean, these people uh, are everywhere. Do we have any sense of how many people with this type of uh, personality disorder are walking around? I don't know if you just have any of these like fast uh, statistics. Yeah. So the stats are startling. Uh, On sociopathy, I've I've heard anywhere from one to 41 to 80, which is, I think it's a little bit higher. Also, the challenge in personality disorders, there's a lot of comorbidity, meaning you've got one with the others, a lot of overlap. Um, So... You know, it's for someone to, you know, and a narcissist, someone who really suffers the narcissism isn't somebody who won't do everything you want. You know, there's a high bar for these disorders. Uh, but I would best guess is probably maybe somewhere about one out of 80 uh, people are suffering with a personality disorder of one type or another, generally so. You'll find stats that'll put it probably about one out of 25, but I don't think it's that that low. I mean, so just really for anyone, uh, th- these people are everywhere in every society and, uh, and could really be very damaging. Um, fascinating stuff. You can check out Mind Reader by David J. Lieberman, PhD. Um, it's uh, on sale if, you know, anywhere you can find a book. Uh, really fascinating conversation. Hope that this um, helps people out. Uh, I'm sure it will. Thanks so much for your time today. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much. And thanks so much for listening. You can catch the same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.